following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good evening, family. Ron Geyer back with more Sunday Night End Time Insights. And we are talking about sin. We were talking about the greatest sin, I think, is pride. And from that, we segued into the solution for pride, which is humility, humble hearts. Jesus talked about he had a humble heart and humble in heart. And that's what I want. I want to be humble in heart. I think next week, not this week, next week we're going to talk about Jesus in Philippians chapter 2. Wonderful, wonderful verses there, chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. But today I wanted to talk about humility in revival. And the scripture text will be 2 Chronicles 7.14. Most of you know it. You know, the church uses it for their claim that America is going to be restored to righteousness, uh, whether it's President Trump, Mr. DeSantis. Uh, some believing Biden, although I don't believe anybody believes that President Biden has a, a goal to see America restored to righteousness. But we're all deceived on some level, right? So praise the Lord. So Second Chronicles 714, we're talking about humility and we're going to look at what humility looks like in revival. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. It's a popular verse, and we could probably use it for several different sermons. But humility, revival, prayer, repentance, right? We could use it for healing, for obedience, unity, and others. But we're just going to, for now, use it on humility and revival in the general sense. Let's take a look at this verse and put it in its proper context to get the meaning. Don't forget now, it's a well-known passage. It's often used by preachers to talk about the subject of revival. It's considered a revival verse. To me, I consider it a repentance verse, an obedient verse. But the word was spoken to King Solomon at the dedication of the temple. He is told by God that disobedience and rebellion will result in judgment upon the nation Israel. What a surprise. Hey, by the way, America, disobedience and rebellion will result in judgment by our guide. Nothing's changed. Nothing's different. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am the Lord. I change not. You know, there's blessings of obedience and there's curses for disobedience. What is the big problem, America? So anyway, this verse is God's promise that those who turn from their sins, those who call on him, those who walk in his ways will experience a revival of the presence and the blessings from the Lord. You know, the church, we love to quote this verse, but as usual in today's carnal church culture, we ignore the fact that it's also a warning against rejecting God. And that's what God was telling Israel, Solomon, that, hey, I appreciate the celebration. You got the temple done. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But you are going to fall away again. But when you do, I want you to know if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, shall pray, shall seek my face, shall turn from their wicked ways, then me being who I am, a very gracious God, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive your sin and I will heal or I will fix your land. 
That's the promise from God. And he's telling them in the context that I know you're going to stumble. I know you're going to reject me. I know you're going to fall back on me, uh, fall back from my, my laws, my precepts, my commands. God knew they would do that because they've done it so many times in the past. And just like today in America, people don't understand that America has wholesale rejected the commands of God. We've not only silenced the voice of the church, but we've rejected any mention of sin. And if you quit talking about sin, well, then shoot, there's no need for a savior to save us from our sin, because that's why Jesus came, to save us from our sin. So we have wholesale rejected God. Matter of fact, the uh, sexually perverted, they have a whole celebration this month. Uh, it's called Pride Month. I'm watching my golf tournament on television yesterday, Saturday, and across CBS, I don't mind naming them, CBS, they've got the little rainbow colors, and then they've got Pride Month. Pride Month? You know what? Wow, we get Independence Day, right? We get my birthday, right? We get Christmas Day. We get Easter week. But since when does somebody get a whole month? You know, a whole month for America to celebrate sexual perversive behavior. We're sick. We're sick. We've lost our nation. We've turned our back on God. We've passed the point of no return. Settle that in your brains, folks. There's only one place left for us to go. It is to repentance on an individual basis and just trust that God offers us mercy in our judgments. Amen? So this is the verse to Israel, but it speaks to every generation as well. Those who meet the conditions detailed in this verse will experience the promises mentioned in this verse. And so for today, we're looking at this verse, humility, but we're looking at humility and revival. We're going to look at the revival aspect of this verse. And notice, revival, it's not a Bible word. It's man's word. Nowhere in the Bible will you find the word revival. And so that's what man has attached to a move of God. But we don't even understand what revival is because uh, we think it's for the world. It's to win the lost. When no, 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 no. Revival. Revival means to vive again, to bring life to again, to restore life again. You know, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Totally different. If you're in Christ, you're alive. You're alive unto the things of God. You have the spirit of life inside you. You've been raised from the dead with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We've been made alive unto the things of God where the world is dead. So you can't revive something that's never been vibed or given life before. This verse, revival, is for the church. And when our nation was being founded, when uh, the foundation was being laid, when God was doing something in the spirit, when he was stirring in the spirit to bring about a nation that would honor him with our laws and our precepts and our hearts would be close to him, preachers like Jonathan Edwards and Finney, and they would teach and they would have revivals. And it was God moving on the church. And revival was the church receiving life from God for his purposes. Revival doesn't come from man, it comes from God. And it was the church being revived to walk in holiness, to walk in victory, to walk in power, to walk in humility. And that so affected the people that saw them that it got their attention and they wanted to know what it was that made us different. And that's where revival came from, the church living holy lives before the lost and creating in them a desire to know what's going on. You know, we use verses that are similar to that in, in our marriage classes when we talk about the fact that wives fit in with the plans of your husbands. This way, if any are not obeying the word of God, God says, and when they notice 
your behavior, when they notice your holy manner of living, when they notice your chaste conduct, then that will win them to Christ. And it's the same thing with the church. The church needs to live holy before the world, before the wicked. Then they will want to know, how come you have peace in the midst of what's going on in our nation today? Well, it's because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. With who? Ah, I thought you'd never ask. And so we go ahead and we give them the opportunity through our holy manner of living. But anyway, humility. Notice, if my people, which are called by my name, my people, specifically this is the Jews. But if you go back to just one chapter to Second Chronicles uh, chapter 6, and it talks about that. Basically, he's talking about anybody, anybody who has given their hearts over to God. If my people, which are called by my name, to be called by the name of God, there's nothing higher. To be called by the name of Jesus, there's no greater honor. But notice, before which are called by my name, is if my people, which are called by my name, but there's something after which are called by my name. God's got which are called by my name right in between identifying who he's calling, and then he's telling them in the next few past, in the next few sentences what he is calling them to. So let's start. If my people who are called by my name, who are called by my name, shall humble themselves. You are called to humility. As a child of God, you are called to humility. And as a child of God, you are called to pray. And as a child of God, you are called to seek my face. And as a child of God, you are called to turn from your wicked ways. Let's read that again. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, shall pray, shall seek my face, and shall turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Let's start where the Bible starts. The Bible starts in humility. It comes first, as it should. You can go no further with God until you humble yourself. You know, if you think about it, either you or Satan or the Lord Jesus Christ is sitting on the throne of your heart. You are there because of pride. You don't think you need a savior. You don't think you're a sinner. You don't think you have to have an answer for the accusation that God has called you a sinner before him. All mankind is guilty. All have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Humility comes first. Once God is finished identifying to whom this verse is addressed, my people, I got my hand up. I'm one of his people. The immediate message is, Even before he tells us what he wishes, the immediate message for his people that comes to us is humility. No matter what I wish to talk to you about, says the Lord, I need you to be humble. I need you to be humble before me. Whether my message is going to be about revival, it's going to be about prayer, it's going to be about repentance, healing, obedience, it doesn't matter. Anything, it takes the back seat to your need to be humble in the presence of Almighty God. You know, he's not called Almighty by mistake. I mean, he is all might. Satan has no might except God give it to him. Jesus plainly told the soldiers that came for him in the garden, you have no power except it was given you. God, the author of all power, he's God, you're not. He's right, you're wrong. He's the creator of all things, you are his creation. So then, he needs you humble. Speaking of revival, let's understand a few things about revival. First, revival is not a Bible word. It's a man-made word, and it's used to describe something that once was, something that died or is in the process of dying, and then something happens that re-energizes and bringing back life to whatever that was that is dying or dead. 
By that definition, then, revival, the bringing back to life again, cannot be for something that never had life. The world, they've never had life. The conditions that God puts forth in this verse are for his people. The world doesn't know God. They are dead. You can't revive them. They never had life to begin with. So then, revival. Truth number one, revival is for God's people. Basically, this verse is an offer by God to man for revival. See, read it again and listen to it in that context. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. That's revival, saints. It's an offer by God, but God gives man the freedom to choose whether to accept that offer or not. Man doesn't decide to have a revival, although we often try. You see the sign, revival, this week. Oh, let's schedule revival for the third week in July. No, no. God sends revival. It is a sovereign move of God by a sovereign God in the earth today. Man, he either accepts it or he declines it. And this is accomplished either by our obedience or disobedience to God's conditions, which he sets forth in the written word. Revival truth number one. Revival is for God's people. Revival truth number two. Revival is a supernatural act of God. It comes only by the sovereign will of God. If my people, which are called by my name, this is written to Jewish people whom God called together as a people, as a nation. If my people who are called, how are they called? What are they called to? Or where are they called from? Or why are they called? Further information, they're called by the name of God. What a powerful calling. Hallelujah. Many are called, but few are chosen. Remember that verse? So now, once identified the called as his people, they are not just called by his name, but that name also calls them to something. They are called to humility. You know, humility is the opposite of pride, and pride is the greatest enemy of revival. Matter of fact, that's revival truth number three. Pride is the number one enemy of revival. Why? How do you know that? Because Jesus says you've got to be humble. God says you've got to be humble. Revival starts with humility. They are called by his name to humility. They are called to prayer. They are called to seek him. They are called to repentance. Basically, those who have been called by God are now being called to revival. God wants to revive the Jewish nation. God wants to revive our church today. The Lord knows we need help. Well, only God can do it, but it's a sovereign move of God. But by us choosing to be humble, how do you know that? Well, it says it here, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves, God lets you decide whether you will be humble or not. God lets you decide whether you're going to remain in your pride, which is the blocking, the greatest block there is to receiving revival in our land. You know, I know that America is in trouble, and I know that America is light years away from getting out of trouble. And I know that because there have been no signs of humility. Everywhere you go, you know, the Bible talks about 2 Timothy 3, in the last days, perilous times, men shall become lovers of themselves. That's pride. You see it everywhere. Turn on any sports contest and you'll see men reveling and glorying in themselves. Any politician thinks that they've got the answers. Any politician is constantly seeking your money and your support because he feels he has the answers. Even our preachers today, they walk around in arrogance. You know, the fact that they demand your money through a tithe, the fact that they are building these great, big, man-made edifices that they think are bringing God glory. No, their names are on the building. God's name isn't on the building. Their names are on the check. Come on. 
We know where this money's going. We know what's driving them, pride and arrogance. So, uh, like today's church in America, the Jews, they were full of pride, and that's why God put it first. Thinking that you can live your own life, that's pride. Recognizing you can't, that's humility. You know, humility, what would I write? I wrote this the other day on a Facebook post. It was really good. Can I remember? Humility is acknowledging that there is a God. Hallelujah. Pride is you thinking you're that God. You got that? Humility is acknowledging that there is a God. Pride is you thinking you're that God. And that's where we are in America today. We don't need God's help. We don't ask for God's help. We don't want God's help. And it has put us on the path of destruction. Understand something. America will fail. America must fail. As great an experiment as America was, a nation that could rule itself by implementing the laws and the commands of God right into our Constitution, right into our Bill of Rights, right into our justice system. America, thinking that they could do that. And of course, it worked at the beginning and it led to great pride and boastfulness. Even Ronald Reagan, American exceptionalism. What makes us exceptionalism? Well, it was our dependence upon the Lord God. But as he started blessing us, we took the credit. We took the glory. We decided we knew better and pride crept in. That's why America is going down and down and down and down. Let me say this. America must fail. Any government in the earth today must fail because God is trying to teach us something. What is God trying to teach us? He is trying to teach us that man cannot govern himself. That is the important truth that doesn't get preached. Man needs a savior. Jesus said, you must be born again. You cannot govern yourself, mankind. I am sorry since the fall of Adam and that proved it. And now we are continuing even the greatest nation in the earth that God has built. God built it. Man didn't build it. God built it. But we've turned our back on God. We've removed God from our laws. We've removed God from our vernacular. We've removed sin from our common language now. And when you remove sin, the next step is just to deny the need for a savior. And that's where we are today. I'm telling you, America must fail. I don't care whether you put Trump back there. I don't care if you got a vice president like DeSantis. I don't care if you take every Christian conservative in the nation today and put them in every seat of the Senate and the House. America will still fall. Americans cannot govern themselves no more than can Russians, no more than can Israelites. Israel proved it. What do you think the tribulation is? The tribulation is God's judgment upon the Jew for their rejection of him. And guess what? America has joined in that rejection right now. We're in the same boat that Israel is in. We've had our glory days, and yet the season has passed. And now America said, God, we're done with you. People keep saying, well, God's not done with America. Well, America's done with God, so he's not going to stick around. We say God leave, and God leaves. God's a gentleman. But At the end of the day, we will fall under the wrath of God. But don't get scared. He removes his church first, and then the Antichrist is revealed, and we have the judgments of God upon a disobedient mankind. Mm -mm -mm -mm. So this is their invite to revival. The Jews, it's their invite to revival. We use it as our invite to revival. But like I said, we haven't taken a single step forward towards God. Number one, humility. Zero humility. You don't hear it from our news media. You don't see it on our talk shows. You don't watch it in our sports contest. You don't see it on our television. You rarely hear about humility from the pulpits. They're too busy trying to get rich. They try to get you to be rich also, which justifies their getting rich, but they've got ulterior motives there. David Wilkerson says 
they've been taken captive by a spirit of covetousness. Revival truth number three, pride is the number one enemy of revival. Notice they were to humble themselves. Revival would not come. Revival could not come until God's people chose to humble themselves. So then, revival truth number three, pride is the number one enemy of revival. Revival truth number four, humility is a prerequisite to revival. Of great importance here is that at this point in God's plan, he is giving Israel the option of humbling themselves when they get in trouble. God's plan for revival for America is no different. He is bringing all sorts of things into play whereby man can see his inadequacies, whereby he can see what a poor job he's doing running this nation apart from his plan for their lives. God's plan for revival can go no further until man is humbled. And this is just church man. He's not even talking about worldly man. He's talking about church man. And this isn't worldly man. This is the man of God. It's you, it's me, it's your pastor, it's your favorite radio guy. God sends opportunity after opportunity for our nation to get it right. 9-11, COVID, Katrina, AIDS, the judgment upon homosexuality. He has spoken to us by his judgments. The Bible says that God is known by the judgments that he executes. The Bible says when God's judgments are in the earth, the nations will learn what righteousness looks like. And yet we just... Our preachers blame everything on the devil. And so we're missing the messages of God. God is not the devil. I read it this morning in Psalms, in Proverbs. It talks about the fact that they that seek the Lord understand all things. You are required to understand what is happening in the earth today. You are required to separate carnality from the spirit. You are required to understand the motives of wicked mankind. You are required to recognize the move of God in your life. The word of God is alive and powerful, sharp in any two-headed sword, piercing asunder the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. The word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, of your heart, of the hearts of men. You are to know the truth. So God sends us opportunity after opportunity to repent, to get it right, to humble ourselves. Currently, Israel, they're back on the front burner, right? America's trying to go ahead and send an envoy there or a diplomat that's going to side with the world and force Israel to give back the lands that they won in the 1967 Six-Day War with Egypt. And America has taken that position. And we've taken that position because prideful America now believe that we know better than God. It's plainly written. Those are holy lands. Who in heaven's name do we think we are that we can dictate and we can divide God's holy land against his word? We are prideful Americans. We follow that spirit from our demonic leaders in office that we put there. And God allowed it because we're wicked people. We get the people in office that best mirror our morality. And so there we are. We're about to authorize. We're about to get on board. We're about to sanction and to promote the return of lands won by Israel in 1967 war with Egypt. We're about to side with those who wish to return those lands to Egypt. You may say, how is this a pride issue? Well, of lack of humility, the scenario where we assume divine direction for God's holy land. No, those are God's choices. You don't get to make them. That's America in its pride. Under President Trump, he did very well concerning Israel, but his biggest mistake was the Abraham Accords, whereby he started arming the enemies of Israel. I believe that's a huge reason President Trump is no longer our president, because he was arming the enemies of Israel. President Netanyahu talked about the fact that when Trump did that, he had shifted the balance of power in the Middle East away from Israel. 
basically we have gone downhill since then. We were going way downhill before then, the last hundred years. But we have just taken a downhill track, bent on our own destruction. This is just another opportunity to go ahead and allow our nation to be put under the curses of God. Well, I'm out of time already. I didn't get very far, but hallelujah. I'll pick up on this next week and the coming weeks. It's so important that you understand this. But just remember, on a personal basis, it's you and God. Who's going to be on the throne of your heart? Will it be you? Will it be God? Who's going to make the decisions? You know, you can't use ignorance as an excuse. I just told you, they that seek the Lord understand all things. You are required to know and understand what is happening in our nation today. I'm Ron Geyer. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.